Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again for, you know, it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. My name is Brian Breaker, and I am your host, and I have a great guest this week. I am uh, being joined by the one and only referee, Nick Chin. Uh, he will be my guest this week, which is the eighth new episode of 2022, which is always fun. And, um, you know, a guy that's never been on the show before. I've known Nick since, geez probably 2013 2014 and um you know always always got along with him always had a had a good time with him and uh now he's kind of starting to make a name for himself nick's appeared on gcw and other big events you know these guys grinding and i think that's sometimes a very important thing in this industry is um is grinding to be better grinding for opportunity because i think sometimes it's easy to think like you know, I'm doing everything right and opportunity will come, but that's not always the case. It, it oftentimes takes a lot more work to uh, to get what you want in this industry. And, and Nick is certainly doing that. So he was a guy I definitely wanted to have on the show. But he also crosses off another type of individual. He's a referee. And, uh, you know, I've said from the beginning I want to have referees, promoters, ring announcers. And sometimes it's hard to find everyone that fits all of those different demographics on your show, but uh, but it was cool to have have Nick on. He's actually, I think, my first referee on this show. I've had a couple others I want to want to hit up and have on as well, but um, it was definitely interesting to have to have him on and kind of you know hear his perspective and and things like that. Because I think sometimes a uh, a referee is very underappreciated in wrestling. Um, I think especially if like you're in a bigger company where they have you know, responsibilities where maybe they're getting information through their earpiece and or taking cues from someone at ringside who's getting information. Sometimes a lot of that is there's a lot of stuff there that they're responsible for that a lot of people may not realize that uh, without a referee, without a good referee, things can go off the rails very quickly. And when you have a good referee, it's like, wow, this guy is really good because I've always said um, the best referee I don't ever see until I need something and then he's there. Well, I'm in the ring, you know, and uh, and I think Nick definitely follows into that category. So we're going to dive into a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun. He actually was uh, coming in from Texas, stopped by, did the podcast and headed home and then continued on to his journey. So I appreciate him making time to be on the show. And uh, and I'm not going to take any more time here. So let's kick it over to my conversation with referee Nick Chin. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on the show, being joined in studio by referee Nick Chin. What's going on, man? There it is. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Got a little cold one. Got man. you a bang energy, dude, dude. Yeah, I need it after this uh, this weekend of adventuring. Yeah. I think I've been in my car more than I've been like anywhere else in general. Pretty sure I'd have to start paying rent in my car because I've been in there so long. We are finishing up our last leg of our trip from Houston, Texas. From Dallas back to Kansas, so we decided to pop on into Oklahoma and see my good friend Brian Breaker. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. You hit me up because we had been trying to do something for you know podcasting for a while, and you were just like, "Hey, dude, I'm going to be kind of swinging through the area." And I'm like, "Hey, let's make it happen." So I'm glad you stopped by, man. Yes, thank you, thank you for inviting myself along and letting my wife listen in on it too, and for sure, man, tolerating me as well. I hadn't seen you since uh, May, actually. It it's been a little bit, talked. yeah. I think that was OKX2 where you where you threw me back in the ring and then I got beat up afterwards. Well, you know, uh, as a commentator, sometimes you have to get a little physical. You know, that's what I say. But <laughs> All because I didn't high-five you after my dive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, so you talked about being in your car a lot for, for this weekend. You know, I always – one of the first quotes I've heard in wrestling is there's two things in wrestling that are real, the money and the miles. <laughs> and the miles are definitely real. What's that what's that trip been like? I mean, I'm sure this is a normal weekend for you, but still that's a lot of traveling, man. So, yeah, that is definitely true. 
this is probably one of the more longer trips I've been on. The only one I can compare it to is where me and my good other ref buddy, Adam Kennedy, we went to Detroit for an Evolve seminar, and that was 12 hours as well. And it was grueling. We, we drove through the whole night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, miles for days. For But, yeah, that's just part of the business. It's what you kind of sign up for. You know, the money's real, too. It's a little bit scarcer for referees, but, you know. Yeah. It's there, and you have to really work for it, and it's just it can be a struggle at times. But that's why we also have we also have side jobs too to make more money to yeah. provide for ourselves in this. So yeah, well, and I've said that too before with with people sometimes that don't understand wrestling. It's like no one in their right mind, if they didn't have passion for this, would be like, "Oh, there's a good idea." You know, let's go travel across the country for minimal money it's all about opportunity right i mean it's chasing that that dream absolutely and for me when i when i bought my most recent car i was thinking what gets me the best gas mileage right and that's why i bought the car that i picked out was because it had good good gas mileage so i was like well if i i can fill this up for cheap and get as far as i can with spending less money it's like i don't know if anybody else ever thinks that way in the crazy wrestling world we live in or at least partake in but that's something I've always thought about. Like, what? How could this better me in this world? Yeah, having a good car. You know, I mean, have, you know, having some money. You know, saved up to do these crazy shows. Uh, having a job that I can have days off that I don't have to take more time off. And it's just when you get in, it's like getting in the mafia. Like I heard yeah. that quote. It's like you know, you have to pretty much either be killed out of the mafia to, to leave or you get exiled. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right. I don't want to get exiled and I want to keep I'm going to keep going as long as I can. So, but you have to it's like it's not checkers it's chess when it involves, you know, positioning yourself in the right place, right time mentality if that makes sense. No doubt about it. And and I think one one thing that's cool to have you on is you know, one thing I like on this show is all the different perspectives whether you're a wrestler, a fan, promoter, manager, whatever, you're a referee. So you probably, I would think, have probably different perspectives than a lot of people because I think sometimes in this industry, we don't look at the referees as important, and that's a huge mistake because I, because trust me, when I've had a good referee, it's like, oh, that's a good thing because I've had my share of bad ones. I'm sure you know a few of the people well, I'm talking about. Being in Oklahoma, you definitely, I'm not here to say anything <laughs> negative, but you know what I mean when, when I say having a good referee is hard to find sometimes in certain areas. And I think the first time we actually worked together was at UWE. And I want to say 2014, 15, you wrestled, uh, Jack, uh, sort of the G gambit. I don't know. Jack Gamble. Gamble. Yeah. 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 And I was like, I was at UWE at the time. That was like my first taste of the Oklahoma scene. Cause in Kansas at the time, there wasn't much there. So I was like, okay, I got to go somewhere and, get better and you know get my reps it and then i saw you were coming in and i looked into what you were about and i was like oh we got we got some somebody that's been around and actually done some stuff and i'm gonna get better working with that person and i was like i gotta bring my a game because <laughs> i want to impress and you know maybe he'll remember me later on or something well so. yeah and i think that's all that's all what it is uwe was an interesting spot because they're the only company in Oklahoma that I know of. You didn't actually have to be licensed. Yes. Indian reservations. I guess yeah. that was new to me too. I, I, like, I remember them telling me that. And I was like, Oh really? So I immediately started thinking of like, you know, Jack Gamble and my buddies. I'm like, Hey, you gotta come down here because you can bypass getting a license. And I'm not, a, I'm not against the licensing and all that stuff, but when they don't really, when they themselves don't take it seriously and it's all about money, that's when it gets annoying to me. Yeah. And for a lot of people, a lot of people don't have insurance either. So it costs right. a lot to get, you know, blood yeah. work and a physical. Sure. But yeah, it's nice to not loophole. Loophole might not be the right term. Maybe it is, but it's nice to be able to wrestle somewhere and not have to j- have to go through this long process to do it. You know, exactly. Um, obviously you've been refing for several years now, but what got you into wrestling to begin with? Were you a fan as a younger kid? So at the age of seven, I was living with mom and my stepdad and it was just, my stepdad was just in the living room one night and he pops on the TV and WCW is playing and he's like, Hey, come watch this real quick. And then I just walked in the living room and on the tube TV, I see Goldberg 
killing people, and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> so I just was hooked. It was like I got bit by the wrestling bug, snake, or whatever metaphor you want to use, and yeah. the rest was history. So Attitude Era, if, if it's Goldberg, oh, right? Oh, well, yeah. Goldberg. Wrestling's hot at that point. Oh, like I didn't know what that meant at the time because a seven-year-old kid don't know what any of that means. But when I saw Goldberg, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then, you know, then I saw the, the WWF at the time, and I saw Stone Cold, and then I was completely sold at that point. To the point of getting in trouble for giving the middle finger and not knowing sure. what suck it meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That well, that was the that was the funnest time in wrestling, I think, because you know I'm a few years older than you, so I remember like the golden era is what most of us call, which is like the late '80s, early '90s. And I was really into wrestling then. Then like that, there was that period of like '93 to probably '96 where it just wasn't as popular. Then the Attitude Era booms, and that's when you know I'm seeing NWO Wolfpack shirts at school and. Sting shirts and Goldberg and Stone Cold. And it was just this huge period of wrestling where it was like the most popular thing for a couple of years. And I think a lot of us that found it at that time, you know, have really stuck with it. This, you know, to actually getting in the business. Right. Like back when I was a kid, it was, it was cool to like wrestling. And then like later on, it was like, it was like hard to find any wrestling fans anymore because people were like, oh, not, as, not as exciting as it once was. Right. We'd always talk about the golden age like you brought up and the Attitude Era. But now with 2021 coming to a close, wrestling seems to be, I don't want to say booming again, but it's becoming more acceptable again. And it's kind of cool to see it making a comeback in a way. Not like it's never been gone, but yeah, it seems like with newer companies starting up and the end of the indie scene being what it is now it's like there's so much wrestling if i was a kid now with this generation i there's too much wrestling now like it was yeah. back then it was you had to use this thing called like a vcr to record wrestling when you when you <laughs> couldn't like be home to watch it or right. you couldn't stay up i couldn't stay up late to watch the end of you know wcw or raw so i was like now it's like you just have to search it on the internet and bam, you have anything and everything you want in wrestling. Like the new the, the new generation's spoiled, to be honest. Well, it's different, right? Because I think that's also too what grew fandom for me, and I'm sure you and other people. Like we we were yearning for wrestling. We were trying to record it. I mean, renting VHS tapes and stuff like that was always a big thing. Now it's so readily available. I wonder if like. It's not really a challenge to watch it. It's on every night of the week, pretty much. You said every indie company, there's something out there available. YouTube, all that stuff. It's not as hard to find, so maybe that's why, you know, there for a while. I mean, because you said it's kind of starting to boom again, I think, with, you know, new companies and independents starting to grow and stuff. But the fandom's different than it was then, I guess. Yes, and back then... In the golden era that you brought up, people still thought it was, you know, quote-unquote real, quote-unquote, yeah. like, what they saw on TV is what was in the real world. Like, they believe that now everybody's kind of in on it in a way, but, you know, it's one of those where times change, things yeah. evolve, like, and that's some people, you know, stick with it and some people grow out of it, too. And I, I catch that a lot when I talk about wrestling with people that aren't in the no or not in the business itself there they always say oh man i used to love the rock and i used to love stone yeah. cold and now i'm just like it's different now it's not right not what i grew up on i'm like yeah i get that all the time and it's like i have, an, I have a story i can bring up like so i wore my stone cold 316 shirt at my at my at my job as dress down day and i work i work at a correctional facility i work with juveniles and inmates and i wore the stone cold shirt None of the juveniles knew who that was. Uh, my facility, really? my yeah, they didn't know who Stone Cold was. Even if like you weren't in that era, that shocks me. Yeah, they they, they just they weren't they didn't know much about Stone Cold. But so here's the here's the kicker. So our facilities attached to the adult side. So I go. We sometimes go over there to get things. I walk over there, and all the adults see the shirt, and they're like. Stone Cold, Stone Cold, like they knew. Like, it's like ah, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So it's like the younger generation. Didn't know anything, but when I went to the adults, they knew. And I was like, okay, generational thing, I guess. That makes sense, I guess, right, though? I mean, if they weren't alive. I mean, Austin was done wrestling full-time in 03. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them may have not even been born yet. I mean, it's crazy to think how, how quickly it goes, but I, I, I do understand it. Um, you know, you talked about, you know, kind of finding wrestling. At what point did you think, 
I want to be in the business. Maybe not even as a referee, but just in the business in general. I think for me, it was probably in high school when I went with my buddy to went to an independent show, and we just I went with two other people, and they hadn't had the ring set up yet, and I, we offered to help set it up, pay our dues, I guess. No, maybe, promoter, turn, no promoter turns down free help, you know. I uh, like yeah, like oh yeah, we'll help. We put the ring up. Yeah, you guys want to roll around a little bit, learn a few things. Okay, cool. Did that. I tried to. Do something stupid, and I spike my head on something. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> like, yep. like whoops. And then I took my first bump just for the sake of it. And I was like, I didn't. T- they didn't tell me how to do it properly. They just said, just fall on your back. And I said, okay, ah, yeah, <laughs> whiplash. So I was like, that was my first like taste. But in a weird way, you kind of fall in love with it by just you know being in a ring, and then like. They just didn't have like a lot of people to help with the show either, so they have no no refs. And I was like, I'll, I'll throw a referee shirt on. I'm like, okay, and the rest is history. <laughs> so it was just that quick, huh? Just happened to be right place, right time. Right. That was just like show up, help out, offer to do. Like I used to wa- watch wrestling as a kid, and I was like, I, I think I could do that referee thing. I'm pretty okay. I'm glad I can't. Okay, I'm glad I can't find that footage because I'd probably hate it now. But, sure. but it, you know, just life works in weird ways. And then after that, it was off to the races. That's when I started really taking it serious. At that point, what did you? What was it like for you? Like when you did that first first match, were you thinking like this is a one and done, or were you completely like, no, I'm going to keep doing this as long as they let me? It was like for me, I was like, I want to, I want to keep doing this, and I, I wanted to look into how to keep doing it. Like there was, realistically, I think it would have been a one and done. But then I was like, no, I want to, want to see how to do this more and how to go about that. And then yeah. like back in two thousand and eight, it was, it's kind of hard to really do much research. It was like just trying to figure out how to go about this, and then. A lot of trial and error and just meeting people and then things just kind of take off at that point. So where'd you get your, uh, where did you, I don't know how to say this other than just saying, how'd you become good if you didn't really, if you were just kind of thrown into that spot? So getting, I guess getting good in that aspect was just repetition, just willing to trap, willing to go with people in a car, picking brains by people that have been doing it longer, just being a sponge, like just absorbing yeah. all the information that I can, studying tape, you know, just asking questions. Like I, in any show, I still do it today. Any show I go to or work at, and there's somebody there that I've never really worked with or have been places, I will ask them for feedback. I'll ask like just how to be better in general. And, and I always tell that to anybody that ever is like wanting to be a ref or in wrestler in general is just, pick brains and don't be afraid to ask questions. The worst thing that they could tell you is I they're busy or they, you know, it was good. Like, I think the worst thing you could ever be told is you did good. And I was like, or I used to hear, keep doing what you're doing. I was like, I don't like that. I want to like, can you at least give me something? Like there's gotta be something I, I shit the bed on or something. I don't know if I could swear, but you're fine. Like if there's anything I messed up, let me know so I can learn from it because I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Whiplash. Mm-hmm. That's one of my one of my favorite movies. And it's like the teacher, uh, J.K. Rollins, he's like, the worst thing I ever tell a student is you did good, which is, I think, a disservice. Like, I feel like I'm not going to get anything out of that by being told I'm good because it's just a false security of, like, yeah. until you meet, like, the, uh, like, then you come along and meet somebody that's, you know, will just completely... Yeah, and then you're like, oh, I thought I was good. No, I wasn't. <laughs> False. A friend of mine once brought this up, and I thought he was he was absolutely right. At the time, I didn't quite get what he was saying, but he was like, he goes, I hate, he was kind of talking about that. He goes, I hate when someone's like, oh, no, you're good. He goes, well, no offense. If I was good, I'd be main eventing WrestleMania, right? I mean, right. there's something wrong, and not necessarily wrong, but maybe something you haven't figured out yet. But I think that's also part of the process, right? Because you can't just read a book on wrestling and be like, oh, yeah, I'm good. It takes so much real-world experience wrestling, you know, or being in front of people and different companies, different performers. And then also being in those situations where things are going badly and seeing you can fix it. You know, I tell I tell people that all the time, like especially wrestlers. Like, if you're wrestling a guy that's horrible, you will learn so much more from that match than, than someone who's good because now you have to think outside the box and – Protect yourself, protect him, and try to keep everything together. Yeah, or if something, something gets foobarred and you have to kind of help 
play collateral damage at times or just yeah. learn how to improvise or improv. Improv and wrestling is real 100% too. Like, you know, you know, people will say it's predetermined, but there's things that happen sometimes where it just, you just got to go with the flow and just yeah. be on your toes at all times. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but you learn. And that's the most important thing, I, I believe. Well, the term we hear all the time is calling an audible, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, you brought up OKX2. I don't know if that was planned, but you, you leaned over to me and it's like, throw me back in the ring. It's an audible, right? I mean, that's exactly. And so I'm like, okay, grabbed you. We did, you did the little spot. and But, it, like, if I'm in that position where I'm not understanding, I'm hitting my mic. I'm not no, understanding what you're saying. Like, that's where you just have to be able to react and process that information because that's the funniest thing I always notice with new people is they can never process the information when it's being relayed to them sometimes when a spot's being called or whatever. And that's the part about wrestling. I think it's people don't understand. It's like when you're out there and it's what we call live, live, it's happening. Like you have to be on your toes and, and being able to adapt to situations. Right. Like, like some of the things I do just in general and matches, like people I work with, they're like, man, I'm not used to that. I said, what do you what have you been working with for the last couple of years? Yeah. Like, so um, I'll bring up a story. So at WFC, it was, you know, John Cross and Justin Lee. They had their main event match that, you know, was a barn burner for shizzle, you know. But I talked to Justin Lee after. He's like, you're like one of the best refs I've ever worked with. And I was like, you've been doing this for how long? And, like, yeah. I, was, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I was like, "Is the was the bar that low? <laughs> like, I mean, I just did what I could to do to help in that situation. Right. But it's like, I mean, thank you for the kind words, but I was like, I, you know, it's just the stuff that I, you know, do is not common in the area, I guess, in Oklahoma. Well, is, I don't think is. there's a standard. And, you know, you talked about the bar being low. I don't think the bar existed. There was no standard. I think it was like if you had a pulse, you could go out there and be a referee. Because, That's all they were looking at. Because, like, when I came around Oklahoma, the only two referees I really knew about, well, three, was, you know, um, George Knight. Mm-hmm. And, and he's good. I've had him. Mark as a ref. Wilson and then Chance Snodgrass were the three that I heard about. In the and area. Mark Wilson, I've been. I've had all three. They and they all were fine. I've never had any issues with Mark or Chance or anything like that. But but there's another guy, obviously, that you know who I'm talking about, who I've had a lot of issues with. And and that's it's not. I had a referee at a different guy one time at a show. I was wrestling Aaron Anders, and uh, I'm working babyface. He's got me in a hold. The referee starts telling him what to do. And so I, he's trying to listen, and I just grabbed him, and I pulled him back down. I was like, no, listen to me. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, you shut up. Like, I, like, you know what I mean? Because it gets confusing when you're in that mindset mm-hmm. of two people telling you what to do. And that's not – I'm going to presume that he was not radioed, and it wasn't like the it wasn't no, like it wasn't. The, the booker telling you this shit. Like, that's something that irks me to know. And, like, I'm a ref. You're a wrestler. I don't tell you how to do your job. You – you know, you are not going to tell me how to do my job to an extent, but we, we know what our roles are in the situation. Who am I to tell you how to do your stuff unless right. there's a situation where it calls for it? Like, well, And he was taking cues from a promoter, and I use that term somewhat loosely, <laughs> but a guy I wouldn't – I would never take cues from. I just wouldn't listen to him. So that's when I was like, oh, nope, shut up. But you, you brought up a good point being radio, the earpiece. Now, obviously, WWE does that. Some independents do. Do you, is that something you're familiar with? I actually with? provide my own radios and earpieces when when promoters want to use them. I, I think they're a very good tool. Now, not all places use them. Some places just don't need to use them, and that's okay. That's cool. Right. But I always will suggest if they want to use them, I have them. It's just a, a good tool to have in general is it, when used properly. Is it complicated to get used to that? Someone it, talking to you? It takes time. You just have to. Excuse me. Damn bangs. That's <laughs> all good. <laughs> all the gas. So with with radios though, it's just it's just repetition. You right. just, you kinda learn you have to learn how to keep the earpiece in. Trust me, that's that's a bit of a learning curve. Sure. You know, just being able to multitask, be able to listen, but also stay, you know, in the mode as well. Mm-hmm. It takes time and but it if you get good at it. It'll pay off down the road when you need to be somewhere where you have to use them. And there are some places that you will have to use them. Right. When people don't like using them and they be petty about it, be like, you know, if you ever want to go to a bigger place, you're going to have to learn. So you might as well learn now and get the reps in because that will make you more valuable down the road. Well, obviously, if people don't know, I know, you know, from being in the developmental system, it was used a lot for time cues, but also 
audibles and th- things on the fly. And sometimes it's a referee. You're passing information to this guy, trying to pass information to that guy, trying to relay time cues while also communicating with the people in the back with hand signals. There's a lot to it. A lot more than p- people probably realize. No, that's that's a hundred percent true. Like, that's not not every promotion's like that. But yes, there's times where you're having to. Okay, we got ten minutes left. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, work the crowd. You know, by mm-hmm. the way, be more of an asshole heel. You know, just different things. Or they'll suggest doing something or the other. So you, your job is to relay the message. That whoever is in your ear is telling you, not what you think, because what you think might be wrong. It's not the referee's call is not to tell the boys what they need to do. They need to relay the message that the promoter or whoever is telling them. Yeah, that's something that I learned in uh, the Evolve seminar I did with Tomasa Champa was he was like, you need to be clear, calm, and you need to tell the boys or the wrestlers. What they need to know through who's communicating through you. Yes. You are the you are the line you're the messenger, of, but you're also sometimes not giving them stuff they want to hear. You need to give them what they need to know and clear and accurate. Not don't go into business for yourself. It's not about you. Because guess what? You are at your position for a reason. You're not up here because of yeah. this. I know stories where uh, I was friends with a lot of the referees in, in NXT and one of the guys would tell me like he'd hear like um, tell him to put him in a real hold, and he would relay, change your hold, because you know he was like, that's going to look bad on me. This now that guy is going to be mad at me for what I said when I'm just repeating what this guy said. So it's like, I just take the message and I deliver it, but I put a little spin on it so that it kind of subsides that heat, I guess, that could be there right. essentially. Usually, if I've ever had to relay a message through management, the boys are pretty understanding. They know, right? They know it's not you; it's the man. It's in your ear. Yeah, you're just saying what you need to say. Sometimes I just say, "Don't kill the messenger," but hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just doing my job, you know. Right. Like, don't, don't kill me over it. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough thing, but it's also, like you said, learning that experience. Because one of my good friends, he was a wrestler. He got signed as a referee, and he told me he said the learning curve he had from you know, actually being a referee, learning where to stand, not getting in the hard cam, working with the earpiece. He said that was such a hard transition to, to figure all that out quickly because there's so much to learn. And that's something that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people just think, oh, the ref just counts three. You know, it's not that's, that. all he, that's all he does. I'm like, well, yes, we do count three. Not, not very often usually because it's only like one time in a match sometimes, depending on, the, depending on how the booker man wants it. But like – we do have other rules too. Like we have to, you know, help tell the story. We have to help communicate, keep things safe. Occasionally get a stupid fan from getting in the ring. That's happened a couple times recently, which sure. I don't know what's in the water nowadays, but please public service announcement. Don't get in a wrestling ring during a show. No, don't be that person and don't attack wrestlers. It's just, that's something that was kind of been bothering me a little bit lately. Like just, don't be, don't be stupid. It's not going to go well. It's not going to end well for anybody. Just stay stay on your side, you know? Yeah. You don't want to get arrested. You don't want to get your ass beat, you know? Yeah. It doesn't end well for you. It's You don't want to get kicked out of a show and get embarrassed. It's just not fun. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and that's what's funny about that is, like, we're, the business is more exposed now than it's ever been, but it's people still take it upon themselves to, like, I need to jump in there and fight this guy for real. I don't, don't get it sometimes, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Back in the eighties was a different world, but sure. now it's twenty twenty one. We all know better. Be yeah. better. And I didn't mean to go off a tangent there, but that just kind of popped in my head because sure. I've dealt with it twice in the last couple of weeks at two different shows. I'm just like, stop doing that. Is that something you have to be mindful of as a referee? Because you know, if I'm if I'm working with a guy, I typically don't ever see the referee, and I and I always, from my perspective, that's when I know a referee's good when I don't ever see you unless I need you. Like you're kind right. of always there, but you're not really in my eyesight. But then if I see a fan get in the ring and the referee's the first one on, it's like, okay, that guy's right. good, you know. Or hopefully, uh, I know some promotions don't have the thing called security, but hopefully <laughs> security catches them beforehand. Right. Which I'm like, please, if you have anybody extra, please, please help out with security once in a while. But yeah, for because the last thing you, the, the boys need to worry about is some crap like that. Like, right. Ideally, as a good ref, yeah, we're seeing when not, you know, we're seeing when needed, but we're giving you guys the platform to do your thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody paid to see me. 
They paid to see you guys. I'm just there to help tell your story. You're the steak. I'm the salt and pepper in some cases to help add more flavor to your match or right. enhance your story. Yeah. And you know at best a good ref can help make your match good or great in some cases. Maybe not great, but, you know, can help better the match. That's probably the better way of saying it. But also in the matter of seconds can destroy everything you've done if they don't know what they're doing. And that unfortunately happens more often than not. Because the most important thing usually in a match is the finish. And yes. if the ref, pardon my French, fucks it up, it don't, it's not a good day for anybody. No, it's and not. And you've probably experienced that a few times. I have. And I'm not perfect. I've made my fair share of mistakes once in a while. Try right. not to, but it's happened. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, unless you're Mr. Perfect. <laughs> but he's not around anymore, sadly. Rest in peace. Yeah. But, you know, just my advice for that is just you, you fudge up, you learn from it, and, you know, try to be better, you know? Absolutely. Well, the name that I call this show is, you know, it's fake, right? And the reason I do that is I like to get people's opinions on on the industry when we're in the industry from people outside. Because I think I feel like so many people not in the business don't really understand what we do. And I and I know you've kind of talked about that a little bit, having conversations with people. The problem, like if you told them the hours you drove or the money you've made, they probably wouldn't understand it. And that's the part I think that is so different about this industry than almost any other business is that there's a huge disconnect from what it is and what people think it is sometimes for sure with that it's like my dad will always ask me how much did you make on your wrestling show i'd be like i tell him how much i made he's like really you didn't make shit why did why, you drive there for that why yeah. did you drive 10 hours for 40 fucking dollars like why don't you get a, a real job or something why don't you do and yeah. it's just he doesn't get it. It's fine. Like, he's a little more supportive, but whatever. It's not about the money. Like, if it was about money, then I probably wouldn't be doing it in the first place. I'd be doing something else. I have a I have a real job to do that, to make my money and pay my bills. Right. Wrestling's more than just income. I mean, yes, it's, it's nice to be reimbursed, or it's nice to be, you know, be able to afford your gas afterwards or Whataburger or in and out in some cases. Yeah. It's nice to be able to take care of yourself. But again, if you, for people, it's like, you're, if you don't get it, you're never going to get it. But if you do get it, you at least respect it. Yeah. My wife's been very supportive with this. She met me back in high school when I said I had this pipe dream of getting into wrestling. And now she's, you know, decided to put up with me and marry me. And now she loves to travel and likes to do it. And she understands that it's, you know, not making the most money, but, you know, it's more than that. In some cases, wrestling, pro wrestling is therapy for some of us. Yeah. They're watching it, escapism, or, you know, being part of it and being able to just, I got all those other things going on in my life, but I can kind of unplug myself for a few hours and focus on this and, you know, get away sometimes. So It's also a creative freedom that I think... You know, if you if you think about your life now and your your regular job or the shoot job, as we often say, if you, if you were if you were in that job and you weren't thinking about wrestling, it'd be really hard to like. You'd probably be like, "What do I do with myself?" You know, and that's the thing I think that drives us right is where, you know, I waited tables the entire time I was training in Missouri, and it's like it wasn't like I was like, "Oh man," because I met people that were like career at that Chili's that I worked at. That's just like that's not for me, you know. I, but I knew I had that mindset of like. This is my my way to support myself while I try to pursue this and try to get opportunities. And it doesn't always happen. And that's the hard part about the wrestling business is there's not everybody gets as far as they want. But right. There's only like, okay, there's a hundred full-time positions for, you know, men and women to be full-time pro wrestlers in a higher company. Now take that take that by ten percent, and that's how many positions there are for referees. It's a lot less, and referees stay usually a lot longer. Than yeah, wrestlers. and that's just that's just what it is. And it's you know, you, the sooner you come to terms with the reality of there's a chance, but you got to really grind. You really got to fight, claw, and scratch, and play the game, politic. You got to do all these things, and sometimes you just don't want to do all that. It's yeah. like you know, if, if if I'm as good as I say I am or I'm good as I can be, then, you know, things might fall into place. But, you know, as long as, you know, the day you get to the position or you get to where you're happy with or you make it, I guess they would say, and 
you can go from there. And for myself, it's like, I'm going to keep going until I'm either satisfied or I just can't do it anymore. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like, I'm going to keep going. And next year is my big time for me to expand. I'm, I'm going to try to go to other places, get mm. out there. I need to lose some weight. I'm a, little, I'm a little chunky monkey, so I need to get a little less chunky monkey. And I want to also live longer, too. And cutting some weight will do me a world of good. And that's a goal for 2022 and stuff. So, As a referee, so as a wrestler, it's one of those things. Like, it makes sense for a promoter to bring in a new wrestler because hey, it's a new talent, a new audience and that stuff. Is that harder as a referee? Because he might be looking like, well, you know, Oklahoma referees. It's like the same two or three guys, right, all every show. So if all of a sudden you hit up a promoter in some state and he's like, oh, I got two referees. I don't, I don't, why do I need this other guy? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause why would, why would a promoter want to spend X amount of dollars to bring somebody out of state when I could just throw on a, Oh, my cousin, he's, yeah, he just hangs out. I'll my cousin Jim rich. Bob over here with no team. Yeah. TV yeah. Joe it. Blow. Yeah. Hey, put yeah. the stripes on count three sometimes, you know, the, well, not, there are promoters like that. More than I really want to say, but sure. But the places that value referees and can afford to bring people in are the ones that the companies you want to stick around and work for. Yeah, because there's a there's a place I'm going to. I'm not gonna say much yet because the news hasn't broken. But there's a place I'm going to next month. This person could have brought in anybody from the area, but we worked out a deal, and he's bringing me in across. You know. Excuse me, dang it! Another <laughs> state, and so I felt kind of proud about that. And you know, he could have brought anybody else in, but he's going to give me a chance. So I'm going to, you know, I got to, I got to deliver in that case. So is that hard? Like as a wrestler, again, your perspective is so much different than mine. Like if I was wanting to create a highlight reel, you know, it's moves, promos, things like that. As a referee, your whole entire job is not to really be noticed until you're noticed, right? To some degree, so is that hard to to convince, like you said, a promoter be like, hey, no, bringing me in is a good idea because I'm good at this. And for that, I have a resume. I have a couple matches. I have, you know, a match that's about nine minutes. Ideally, you want to send something eight to ten minutes. Just, you know, short so they'll yeah. actually watch Enough, it. A match that kind of shows that you can, you know, know how the rules work. You know, it shows off like what you do best mm -hmm. and that it gives them a perspective of what you're capable of doing. Yeah, we don't get highlights. I mean, if referee had a highlight and, you know, I do have the I do have things that I do that normal refs don't do. But that's not the stuff that gets me booked. It has right. got me booked sometimes. But, yeah. you know, it's not what a lot of the more serious companies would want to you know book a referee for. So, I've you know, try to have. Photos of yourself, try to have matches, try to have your your uh, references and just try to – it's kind of like a job sometimes. You know, this is why you should have me on your shows because I can do X, Y, and Z and I yeah. think I'm pretty solid at it. So, well, Is that another goal of yours? Like if a promoter does say, okay, I will bring you in this one time and try to wow them to realize like, okay, we need to start using this guy because we've never had a good ref. We need more of this. And I sometimes will do that. I will. I call it the investment booking. I'll sure. come in. You don't have to pay me. I will show you my stuff. And but in the future, I want to work at a deal. And you know, this is what you get if you bring me in in the future. Yeah. And then you talk shop at that point. And pretty successful sometimes. And usually, I try to you know kind of prepare that trip and vice versa, and so that I'm not completely losing my butt. But later on, I know it'll pay off. If that makes sense. Sure. Well, because, again, you know, referees are looking at it from a different perspective, right? Not a lot of merchandising. I mean, there's some, but it's not It's not like it would be for a wrestler, right? So there's less, I guess, incentive on the road of, like, trying to make your money sometimes. Right. And I've always been against referees having T-shirts, but I'm kind of, like, at the point now, I'm like, if I – if I figure out something, if I if I made a T-shirt hypothetically, I I would do it all online. I wouldn't. I'm not going to be one of those guys that brings his shirts to the table with the boys. I'm like, I don't want that kind of trouble because I don't want to be that guy. Like, if if me and you were sitting, like you know, you're like the main draw, and I'm next to you as a ref telling T-shirts. You're like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Yeah. Who, who do you think you are? You're not you're not Earl Hefner or like <laughs> somebody that could get away with it. Yes, there's a one percent rule. I don't fall. I don't fall in that category. But at some point, though, it's like 
you know, it's harder for refs to make extra income. The right. bo- you know, the boys can sell shirts all day, but refs selling shirts, eh, it's doable. It can be done. I think if I go about it a certain way, that would help. Like, I would strictly use the money for travel expenses and right. being able to go to other places or fly myself out if I had to to expand more or less. I found most fans, they, they're aware of that, and it's not like, they're ooh, this 8x10, I must buy. But it's like they know that I'm supporting a wrestler in the process. So I think the merchandising in that regard is an okay thing. It just... As a referee, I feel like it would be harder. And then I've also met referees who try to be characters sometimes. And that's, I, like again, I think that falls into that category of like, okay, you're the garnish of the of the plate. You're not the main course. When a referee, so I won't say the person's name, but you might have seen this person at one time or another. They like to wear a beanie hat. And I'm just like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. take, take it off. And I think this person is now realized to stop doing that. But I'm just like, you you don't fit the mold of what we're supposed to be like. We need to be authoritative, look professional, and look credible when you decide you want to be a character in some aspects. Now, some companies, whatever, but nine times out of ten, you want a referee to look a certain way. And when you want to wear a hat or make yourself look out of the ordinary, it just takes away from the whole spectrum. And it's distracting in some cases. Oh, yeah. It's like if... If I was pulled over by a cop and they were wearing a clown nose, I probably wouldn't take him serious. <laughs> right. But if he's got the crew cut and he's got his aviators on, I'm I'm screwed. All right. I'm getting that ticket. <laughs> well, right. Exactly. But that's the whole thing is like you have to you have to somewhat look the part. The same with wrestling, right? I mean, you have to be you have to have that look to some degree. Not everybody has like size or you know the body or whatever, but you have to at least have something that makes people think like, oh, okay, I get it. You know. And in the world of kayfabe, if you look at wrestling in the kayfabe aspect, a referee should be the is the law, the judge dread, the RoboCop of like yeah. being authoritative. And if I don't have the illusion of being authoritative, then when I enforce rules, like if I look like a, a dumbass, why would why would you care about how I'm enforcing the rules when right. I don't care enough to look a certain way? Like you're not gonna take me seriously. Why should I take this seriously? Right. One of my biggest pet peeves in wrestling in general is when a referee's in the corner with his arms over latched over the ropes, just laying in the corner. I'm like, do you not care? And I did that like one time and I got feedback from Todd Sinclair and he ripped me a new one about that. And I never did it again. Cause he explained why. And I'm like, okay, makes sense to me. Right. Because if and it's a little thing, but like you said, you see a picture of it. Someone's like, Oh, what's this guy doing? You know, it's all it takes. I'm like, Oh, you don't care. Why should I care? Right. Okay. But like, that just makes the company look like they don't care either. So it's like the small things like that go a long way. The devils, devils are the details they would say. And it's like, yeah. Well, well, I'm also a big believer, and this is a small thing, and some people may totally disagree with. I'm a big believer in the referee needs to have like that, like you have like a referee haircut. You know what I mean? Like if if I see like some type of odd haircut, it's not like it's a big deal because it's like okay, you're an indie referee, but automatically I don't take you seriously. So as a wrestler, should I be you know worried about you enforcing the rules probably not right and now in some companies a little more outlandish sure so be it you know like they could get away with being like like hood slam you know you've got right. and a, that's and that's a different that's, thing yeah but i'm yeah, I mean, but, an example of like okay that universe fine you, you're playing in, it's like if we're in like marvel's endgame and thanos snaps his finger and everybody half dies okay we've built this in the realm of the universe we're in it makes sense right and if your wrestling promotion allows you to wear certain things, it's okay. But if we're in, like, a normal promotion in Oklahoma or anywhere in general and the ref is not looking professional, like one of my pet peeves is facial hair. Okay, if, as long as your facial hair is clean cut, fine. Right. Okay, like, yours looks fine. Like, But if you have, like, a Gandalf-the-gray beard, no. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. a homeless person, like, no, I don't want to like, – I'm not going to take you seriously. Right. I might just grab your beard. I don't know. Yoink. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I think it's it's where it's like if you were a referee, you need to dress almost to some degree like a job interview, right? Like fresh haircut, maintained facial hair, not shaggy, messed up hair, shirt tucked in, mm-hmm. proper ref shirt, black pants, the whole deal. And it's it's weird how how often you just don't see that. But then, when, again, when you are faced with a guy that knows what they're doing, it's like, oh, okay, that, that 
brings it all together sometimes. And, and, and anytime I ever watch a new ref or one that wants my feedback, I'll look at how they present themselves. Right. If I if he hit my check marks, we're off to a good start. But if I see something I don't like, I'm just like, well, great. <laughs> this is how much. This is how serious you want to take it. I don't know why. Like, why am I watching if you're not going to take the time and effort to get the proper gear and the proper look that you need for most places? Yeah. And that's always a test. And I've and I've talked to refs and, and anybody that has ever worked with me or knows me. I'm like black shoes. Please have black shoes. It's just a preference of mine. You're not New Japan red shoes. Let but but and that's let him have his gimmick. own thing. Yeah. Let him let him be him. You're not him. Be be you. Don't be somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's something else. Like for me, learn from others, but come up with your own style. Like yeah. there's no there's no clear cut way on being. It's like there's no clear cut way of being a, a good wrestler. You can be a good wrestler in different aspects. Right. You can be a good referee in different aspects. As long as you follow criteria and certain rules, you're good to go. But for me, just Look professional. That's it's not hard. I, I promise it's not. Yeah. What about uh, goals for you, man? Like, how how long have you been refing now? Over uh, over a decade, right? Or thereabouts? No, yeah, I say roughly twelve years now. I want to yeah. say give or take ten, twelve. We'll say it like that. Uh, and this this will come out in probably the early part of twenty twenty two. But you, you know, you talked about this year. You want to start getting out there more, hitting different companies. So is that is that the goal? Like the short term goal? But like, what's the long term looking like? So long term for me would just be. Back, you know, I'd like to work for a major company full time would be like the dream, the end all be all. Whichever company that could be, it's you know, there's a lot of options. I mean, yeah. there's I'm not going to say I want to be at A, but you know, there's a lot of different options. Like, right, the typical answer would be, you know, WWE would be like the obvious end all be all answer, but again, now in this day and age, there's other companies. You, you got AW, you've got MLW, you've got you know, GCW, you've got all these other companies that are doing full-time wrestling and there's a lot more opportunities for jobs. So you're not, you're not stuck having to go for just one place. You have a lot of different options. So like for this year, my goal is to expand, go to different States, go to different companies, just get out there. And I've been told that for years, you got to go, go be seen by more eyes. That's kind of what this whole this weekend's trip was about was going to GCW in, in Houston and Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I just I originally wasn't going to do it, but my wife's like, you should you know it, you know they're good on refs, but why not go and help out and see what happens? Yeah, just and, be there be and present. be there. And when I got there, they they threw me a couple bones, and I was like, okay, bet like. I got to work with Bandito. Like I was like, oh shit, that's <laughs> like, awesome. Yeah. I got like, like Tommy Debbins and Bandito night one, and I'm just like, you know, shit. I got to bring my my A game. And yeah. I hope I deliver. Which you know, if you get the chance, Fight TV, it's on there. Check it out. Absolutely. Let me know what you think. Along with like, I got to work with Ninja Mac again. I got to see him prior, and then Lloyd. I got to work with him um, for the first time, and I think that went well. And then night two, I showed back up in Dallas and. They gave the lineup and they gave me Thunder Rosa and Alec and uh, Alec Cat, you know, like or Alec Catch, I can believe that's her name. But I got to work that, and then like you know, Blake Christian came. He came. He his first time back on the Indies after his thirty day non complete. I got to work with him in Cartwheel, and again, Fight TV. Check it out, <laughs> and like I was, I didn't think that would if I never showed up those opportunities never came about. So if any advice for anybody I could give as well is don't be afraid to expand and don't be afraid to leave your comfort zone and just, you know, help out, do what you can and who knows what will happen. What about someone who's listening to this, for instance, and they're wanting to be a referee, but don't know where to start. What would you tell them? See if there's any schools around your area. If there's any wrestling schools, that's a good place to start. You know, try to find people that you know in the business, travel with them, you know, try to find, meet the right people and try to find connections. I always recommend a wrestling school, but do your research on those. But that's the best way to get the most, you know, the best results. See, for me, I didn't really go to wrestling school. I just kind of got, you know, thrown in back in 2008. And then I just started traveling with people, picking brains. It just... On the fly training, which is yeah, more which the is, old school style. Yeah, know. and then just talking to other referees who've been doing it longer and training under their wing and stuff. And mm-hmm. just, you know, just be ready to listen and, you know, 
Yeah. Take your time and don't be afraid to ask questions. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Well, there is sometimes, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's better yeah. it's better to ask than to not ask at all. For sure. Well, I think, you know, in this in this industry, like people always at least from my perspective, they always respect someone who's grinding. They 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 respect someone who's like, Oh, that guy's trying to he's trying to get somewhere, he's trying to do something. Because there's also the the guys that pretend like they're trying to, but they're not really and so when you see the guy that's actually tr- putting in the the legwork and you know basically hitting the pavement and stuff like that, I think that that always makes a bigger difference, at least in my my opinion, of a guy trying to make it there. So right, like for example, I had a referee that uh, went up to OVW and did you know a tryout there, and then he drove back and he came by um, Overland Park, Kansas, and he said to come by and help out and. You know, I said, well, show up, I'll, I'll try to get you on the card and get you, you know, a little spot. Like if you're willing to drive down from Kentucky or, you know, wherever right. OVW's at and come back here just to come help out. Yeah. Shit. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I think you deserve it. If you're willing to grind like that. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Come, if you show up, I'll try to, you know, do what I can to help you. But like, I always got to respect the hustle at times. Like, yeah, especially when you have other obligations, family, kids, right. and you are still trying to hustle as well. And trust me, that's, that's a challenge at times. But for me, it's like, as long as you plan things out and, and it's worth your time and whatnot, then it's, you know, it'll all kind of fall into place. Definitely, man. Dude, this has been a blast having you on the show, man. This hour went by real quick. Um, you got anything you want to plug before you get out of here, man? Oh, if you want to, if you want to follow me, you can follow me at, at chin underscore referee. I don't really like my Facebook, so if you just want to follow me on Twitter, that's I usually sometimes post on there. I think I posted a clip of the show last night at GCW, um, So Alive, Fight TV, if you want to check it out. And that's really all I got. I mean, if you know, feel free to you know say hi on there. Give me a follow. I, I'm sometimes funny. I like puns, and I love <laughs> corgis, which. You should get a dog if you don't have one. Not nice. a cat person, but <laughs> I appreciate you letting me come along, and it's been forever coming. I'm yeah. glad I got on before the beginning of 2022. But yeah, man. Well, you know, I think with podcasting, it's it's sometimes it's the long game of trying to. Because that's the thing is like we've been on a couple of shows together, but I pretty much given up trying to record with someone on the road because a if you see my equipment set up, this would be hard to pack up. I have a way to do it mobily, but it's like. You're at a wrestling show. You have to find a quiet room, which is also really difficult to do. And I've done that a few times where I found like a little office building. I swear people would walk in like every five minutes. It's like, do I need to post a sign on the door or something? You know. So uh, I was glad you were able to make the trip down, man. It was a good yeah. time. I like being in your not studio apartment. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of a studio room, I guess. A little little makeshift. We bought this soundproofing, and I thought, oh, that'll cover the wall, and it obviously did not. But <laughs> I want some of that for my gaming room someday. Yeah, man. We got, the, get... we got the gaming chairs, you know. Yes, so. I have something similar to this. We used to have folding chairs, and we bought these. We're like, man, what were we, what were we thinking all that time? It's called upgrading, brother. You're yeah, upgrading. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, people can find Nick on pretty much any independent wrestling show pretty much in the Midwest area. You're always kind of traveling around, hitting different places, and Fight TV, obviously, with GCW. Hopefully more in the future, especially when they're in the area. I know they travel a lot, though. Yeah. Different, I'm, different spots. I'm hoping I'll be back on. We'll see. It depends on what... I mean, Sam Stackhouse is on that show, too. I yep. mean, he did a couple of spots for him. Next thing you know, he's wrestling Matt Cardona. I'm like... Right. And I just saw him last night, and he had that scramble with Del Sol and all them, and... Yeah. He about died, but... Business per usual with him. So. Well, but it's it's one of those things of like, wow, how crazy that you know I've known Sam for years, and here he is in the midst of kind of getting internet famous. It's awesome, right? And it's cool to see people that you've kind of rubbed doubles with or interacted with, and now they're you know finally getting some recognition they deserve, and more power to them, and just keep grinding, you know. And that's something I would also say as well is you know. If you really want to make it make it anywhere with anything you do, you just got to put the time and effort into it. Yeah. Well, and, and what's funny, Sam sat right in that chair we podcasted several months ago, and when, when we were done, he kind of told me, he was like, hey, uh, GCW reached out. And I'm like, oh, really? And we, he kind of gave me the, the rundown of what was happening. I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. But even then, it didn't, yeah, I didn't expect him to be wrestling Zack Ryder on a show and a right. few months later. So it's, it's crazy how... This industry can change, you know, or the the how how it goes sometimes because you you just didn't see that happening, and then all of a sudden, like bam, it just starts rolling, and you know, and he's been 
doing this for so long and developing who he was, he was able to slide into there because he took the time to prepare, you know, the opportunity was there and he ran with it. Right place, right time. And that's also important too. Definitely, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you stopping by and hopefully we can do it again in the future, man. Yeah. And thanks for not putting your uh, fingers in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I can't stop it now. Now that you said that. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a little rib. I pulled on you a couple of shows, right? Yeah. That was, um, was it compound wrestling with all Ray Martinez, I believe, or, SRPW, maybe? SRPW, uh, yeah, the, the firehouse building, yes. Oh, God. Like old times, I do remember that. That's No air conditioning, hot as no. crap, just sweating profusely. Yeah, <laughs> and hanging out with Jeff the Ref. Oh, good times. Yeah, God, what, what a <laughs> terrible referee. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll say it. He sucked. <laughs> but, dude, thanks for stopping by, man. All right, see ya. All right, we are closing up episode 59 here of You Know It's Fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. And a shout-out to uh, to my man, Nick Chin. Um, great to talk to him. I was glad he got to join me here in studio. Um, unfortunately, that's not something that's the easiest thing to pull off all the time is the in-studio podcast because just logistics of travel and, you know, wrestlers, too, they're busy. You know, they're they're out there making towns and stuff. And I've got a few in the works coming up, but... It's not always easy for a uh, for a, a person to be able to do a you know an in person podcast unless they happen to live in town. So it's it's definitely been cool to to have people over to 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 do that and stuff. But <clears throat> so again, shout out to Nick Chen and, and keep an eye on him if you're a fan of independent wrestling. I I would bet Nick Chen will start showing up on some of the uh, some of the promotions that you already follow. I know he's doing a lot for GCW, especially when they're in like. The, the you know the Midwest area and stuff, so keep an eye on him. I think the guy's gonna gonna really start to take off in the next few years, I'm, and I'm excited to see it. Next week, my guest will be uh, totally different. My uh, my dad, Scott Collins, will be on. He, we did an episode on Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. I don't know, probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. And it was really cool. Like I'd always kind of wanted to have my dad on the show because he's had a pretty interesting life. You know, he's he's been involved in martial arts for. 40 plus years he spent a decade or so as a as a fireman and a first responder and so we kind of we kind of dive into a a lot about his time as a fireman um which i think is something that people may not understand like that type of job because it's probably not what you think you know i think people think it's like oh you run into burning buildings well yeah they do that but there's a lot more to it as well and you know a lot of like i said a lot of first responders medical runs which I'll be honest, that's not something that I was ever prepared to handle. I know as a young kid, a lot of people ask me, are you going to be a fireman? And I'm thinking, like, absolutely not. Because he kind of shielded me from a lot of what he saw. But um, the little bit I heard, I remember thinking, like, man, that is not something I want to be a part of. So definitely some some wild stuff. But it'll be a really fun conversation. I hope everybody enjoys it. And, of course, check out our other podcasting buddies, like the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast with Jeff and Scott, dropping a new episode every Sunday. Doing the Favor with Eric and Barry, another really fun podcast. We love those guys over there doing watch-alongs, doing sports podcasts. Check them out as well. The Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast with Steven Eric's, another really fun show. Retro look at the world of pro wrestling. The Ringside Rant with RJ, another fun wrestling podcast. The Leisure and Lariats Podcast with Ruthless Ryan Davidson, a good friend of mine. Boots to the Face with Marty and Rucker. Tales from the Estate with Drew Vinsel and his wife, Caitlin. And congratulations again on their on their new twins. Um I'm I'm super excited for them. I uh I could, I could only imagine trying to raise twins that would have to be a very difficult job to say the least because I know one baby can be, but I I'm super stoked for them and very excited to see their journey as parents. So very very happy for them. And Drew Vinsel will actually be coming up on a future episode. I actually recorded it before um the twins were born for two reasons. A I wasn't sure he would even have time to do a podcast um, after the twins were born, especially with him trying to do his own show. Because that's another thing with podcasters. Like, yeah, we want to do other shows. But we have to make sure our own content's out there. And um, and just, you know, I guess it's really just that one reason, but mostly because I just didn't, I didn't know if he'd have time. And, um, but I'm glad we got it recorded. So he'll be coming up and he'll be a returning guest because Drew was on last year. Always fun to talk with him. Uh, wreck my podcast with Jordan Zeilinger and his pals over there. 
Trivia with Buds with Ryan Buds. Howlin' with the Wolf with the one and only Jason Wolf. And don't forget his amazing chop shop. In fact, I saw a little sneak peek of stuff that he's working on or that's almost done. It's going to be really, really cool. So pay attention to my social media and the TV Toycast social media. You'll see all the pictures. Uh, pulling up a chair with our buddy Tim over at a chair shot. Night of the Nerdy Laser podcast with our buddy Richard and his friend Matt talking horror films. And, of course, catching up with Aaron and Daniel um, talking all their favorite stuff from 2011. And, of course, check out our other podcast, the TB Toycast. Drops every Thursday with me and Travis Fowler uh, diving into a classic toy line. Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, the flagship podcast, every Sunday. And then, of course, Bane has No Holds Barred with Bill Benis dropping on Tuesdays. Check that out as well. And, um, of course, you can find our T-shirts, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Brian Breaker, BBPH.RedBubble.com, WhatAManeuver.net, search by store for Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, TB Toycast, Bane has a store, Fully Posable, Doing a Favor, the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, the Ringside Rant, Tales from the Estate, Boot to the Face. Um, I think that is, oh, I'm sorry if I missed people. I know uh, GBM has a store, Dobro has a store, all kinds of great people have stores there, so check all that out. Thank you for checking out You Know It's Fake, right? And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I cannot make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This is You Know It's Fake, right? And we'll see you guys next week. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. Been around for a minute, and I can stand toe to toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me. Paparazzi record me, I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are born.